Uh, good morning, everyone. It's good to uh, be out with you this morning. I hope you can hear me. I'm starting to get a bit of a sore throat. So turn with me to Psalm uh, number one, please, this morning. Psalm number one. <clears throat> and we're going to just read these six verses together this morning. And then we're going to buy in a moment of prayer and just ask for the Lord's uh, help uh, in the meeting this morning. Psalm number one. And commencing to read at verse 1, Psalm 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the, the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I know the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Just bow with me one moment, please, uh, before we open the word of God. Father, we just come again uh, before thee in the place of prayer, and we ask for divine help this morning. And we pray, Lord, in this gathering that thou would minister to each of our hearts. We realize, Lord, as we come away from a busy world and our attention can be on the things that we'll do even later on today or tomorrow. But we pray in the moments that we have, we pray that thou shut us in with thyself. And Father, I pray just now that thou will fill me afresh with the spirit of the living God. And Father, that thy word would go forth with power and indeed with clarity. And so, Father, we just pray that thou would instruct us from out of thy word this morning. And Father, that indeed that we would uh, be inspired to go on and to live Uh, for thee. And so we just ask for a consciousness of thy presence to come into our gathering this morning. And we come again against the enemy, Lord, and we know that he's real. And we would bind every foe in the name of Jesus. And we just pray that indeed that there'll be liberty in this gathering this morning. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. I want to bring your attention just for a moment or two uh, to this first psalm. Uh, the Psalms is the Hebrew hymn book. And I don't know, or no one seems to know who uh, penned this first psalm, but it's an instruction for every child of God on how to live a godly life. And you know, dear child of God this morning, if you're saved, that should be the desire of all of our hearts, is to be godly. To be men and women that are godly. You'll remember the prayer that went up from the psalmist in Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for the godly ceaseth. And if there's ever a day that we need godly men and women, is today a godly person. Whenever you go through this psalm, you'll see the contrast between the godly and the ungodly. And there's always a contrast between those two groups. Now, just notice for a moment how 
this psalm begins. It begins with the word blessed. I, I think that's a lovely way to start a book. The book of Psalms starts with that lovely word, the blessed. You know, I was thinking during the week that the people of God are a blessed people. You know, it's a blessed thing whenever you come together with the people of God. It's a blessed thing when you come away from the world and you gather and you meet and you talk one with another. It's a blessed thing. And we should never take that for granted. And the psalmist, he begins with saying, blessed. But this word blessed here is a word in the plural. It's the word, oh, the blessednesses. Oh, the blessednesses. You know, if you were to go through your diary over the last year and try to look over the blessings that the Lord has given you, I tell you the Lord is good when he comes to blessing his people. And the psalmist, he begins and he says, Oh, the blessednesses. And Spurgeon put it like this, There's no such thing as a single blessing in the life of a believer. He blesses us time and time and time again. Oh, the blessednesses of the child of God. You'll remember Paul, he said, away over in Ephesians, that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Solomon put it like this, that the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. You'll find that lovely verse in Proverbs 28, that we abound in blessing. Ezekiel, he penned, and he talked about the showers of blessing. You'll remember the little chorus we often sing it, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Oh, the blessednesses. I tell you, dear child of God, this morning, we're a blessed people. We're a blessed people. And I was going through during the week some of the things in which we could bless. And even though uh, my voice is going to give up on me this morning, I can stand here and thank God for the health that I do have to be here. And so can you. We're a blessed people. We can look at our families and we can say we're a blessed people. We can look at our homes that we'll go to later on. And indeed, we can look at this assembly and we can say we're a blessed people. We've been blessed time and time again. We know about the abundant blessing and we know about the shower. But not only does this word mean, oh, the blessednesses, uh, it also means, oh, the happiness. I tell you, dear child of God, this morning, we have every right to be a happy people. Happy. And the psalmist says it's not just being happy about one thing. Oh, the happinesses. We can be happy about many things. I say there's many things in your life you're not happy about. And there's things in my life that I wouldn't be happy about. But you know, dear friend, this morning, if we got our eyes upon the Lord and got our eyes onto the blessings and got our eyes onto the goodness of God, we would be a happy people. I'll give you some things in contrast to that. There's seven happy men in the Psalms. You'll find that little phrase seven times. You go and hook it out when you go home. Uh, Blessed is the man. There's seven times you'll find that. And that means, oh, the happiness, the happy man. 
You'll remember away over in Psalm 32, uh, this is what David said, Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. I'll tell you, a happy man is a delivered man. A man who can look back and see a life of deliverance. When he can look back on a day when he used to uh, be ensnared in the things of the world and chained in sin and nature's night, and the day he was delivered was a happy day. I tell you today, dear child of God, I think many of us have lost the joy of being saved. We've lost the joy of being delivered. We've lost the joy of being set free. The psalmist said this, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. That word forgiven there is the word to be taken off and then to be put away. You remember the burden of sin that you were carrying? Remember the weight of guilt and shame? Then the hand of Jesus touched me. Now I am no longer the same. He was happy. And not only does it mean to take off and put away, you remember the psalmist said in Psalm 103, He has moved our sins as far as the east is from the west. So far has He removed our transgressions from us. Not only to take away and to put away, it's the word to hide. Hide. You remember, you'll find that lovely verse in Micah. It says there that he cast their sins into the depths of the sea. I tell you, there's men have never got to the bottom of the sea. And those of us that are saved and delivered this morning, he has cast their sins into the depths of the sea. I remember he said this in Jeremiah, your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more forever. I tell you, dear child of God, you can be happy that God will never remember your sin. You can be happy for being delivered. Now let me ask you a wee question. Are you happy? Are you happy? Are you glad you're saved? Are you happy to be here? Well, here is a happy man. Not only is a man that's been delivered a happy man, you'll find it in Psalm 40 and verse 4, Blessed is that man who maketh the Lord his trust. A man that's delivered will be a happy man. But a man that's dependent upon the Lord will be a happy man. A man that's trusting him every day. I tell you, dear friends, that lovely word trust there is the word to have confidence in. It's the word to have assurance in. It's the word for having a refuge. You remember the hymn writer put it like this, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Happy. A happy man. A man that's delivered will be a happy man. A man that's dependent on God for every circumstance, every situation in life will be a happy man. Then whenever you come to Psalm 1, and I'll not give you any more, and hook them out for yourself. Not only is a happy man a man that's delivered, and a happy man a man who's dependent, but a happy man will be a man that is different. A man that is different. And you know, dear child of God, this morning, let me say, we ought to be a different people. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. 
And you'll remember that lovely, you'll know that word church is the word ecclesia. It's the word a called out one. It's the word to be separated from. You'll remember whenever Solomon was dedicating the temple in 1 Kings, this is what he said about the people of God. Thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth. I tell you, it's some privilege this morning that God would put his love upon us and that he would draw us out for himself. You think of that just for a little moment this morning. The life that you are living, the sin that you are involved in, going down into a lake of fire to eternal destruction, and one day the mercy of God drew us out for himself. Called out a separated people, a different people. You remember, of course, it was Abraham that he called out of Ur of the Chaldees. You remember it was the children of Israel that he called out of Egypt. I tell you, dear friend, he has called us from far greater things. The Word of God says that he's called us out of darkness onto his marvelous light. He's called us from death onto life. He's called us from the power of Satan unto God. And he has called us out of the miry clay and out of the, out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay. We're always being called out. He has drawn us out. A separate and a different people. Now whenever you're studying this Psalm 1, there's three things that mark the godly man and we've already touched on one. The first one is that he will be a separate man. A man marked by separation. A godly man or woman that's living for the Lord will be a man or woman that is marked by separation. Look at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't walk the way of the world. He doesn't go in the same direction that they go. Whenever you find that little word walk in the New Testament, it always denotes a lifestyle. It's always denoting a, a way a person is living. And I want to ask a little question as I have been asking myself. The way that we live, the way that we walk, is it different from the world? You remember way back in Revelation 3, whenever John is in Patmos and he's writing about the church of Laodicea. It was the church that was infiltrated by the world. Living close to the world. You remember Samson. He lived in the very border. He walked down into Timnath and there you remember he got entangled with a Philistine woman because he was walking close to the world. And I would go as far as saying this morning, and I agree with a brother as he prayed, that's why many in this meeting this morning are cold. That's why many are not happy. That's why there's no joy and no fire and no passion. Walking close to the world. I tell you, dear child of God, we're called to be a different people. We're called to be a called out people. The Word of God is filled with how the child of God is to walk. 
Paul says we're to walk circumspectly, carefully. The world doesn't need to walk like that, but we do. We need to be careful in what we do. We need to be careful in what we say. We need to be careful in what we watch. We need to be careful in where we go. Careful. Then Paul, he says, walk honestly. I want you to walk honestly. The world doesn't walk honestly. The world is marked by deception. But the Lord told us, if you want to be a godly man or woman, you need to be honest. You'll need to be honest. You'll need to be honest in your business. You'll need to be honest in your deed. You'll need to be honest with your neighbors and with your assembly. Walk honestly. Then he said not only to walk circumspectly and honestly, he said, walk wisely. I want you to be wise. And Paul said this in his epistle, walk not as others, walk differently. We need to walk differently. And some of you older saints in this meeting used to see a day in our land when the children of God were a different people. And you had a new them walking down the street. There was a difference. They were godly. I tell you, dear friends, I wouldn't put myself forward as being a godly person, but I want to be a godly person. I want to be a godly man. I want to walk different. He walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't listen to the advice of the world. Not only does he not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't keep company with the world. He doesn't hang around the world every day. In fact, he doesn't have more friends in the world than he does in the church. Let me say a wee warning to you this morning. If you're more comfortable around the world than you are around a believer, you need to be aware. You remember, remember Peter, Matthew chapter 26? It says that he stood and he warmed himself at the fire. He was standing among the sinners. Standing in the way of sinners. He was talking with them. He was listening to them. And you know very well this morning, child of God, who you're with will soon be who you're like. He's not to stand in the way of the sinners. One of the lovely marks of a child of God is this, that we know that we have passed from death on to life because we love the brethren. Love to be with them. Love to talk to them. Love to commune with them. Love to meet with them. Love to be near them. Love to just spend a little bit of time with them. You'll remember whenever Peter and John were captured or uh, went to be questioned there in Acts chapter 4. You'll remember whenever they released, were released, it says this, and they went to their own company. They were always drawn to the people of God. They were always drawn to people that were like-minded, people that wanted to pray, people that wanted to read, they wanted to be around other believers. Say a word of warning this morning to the young people in this assembly. You get good godly friends. 
You get men and women around you that know the Word of God and can pray with you and can read with you and can encourage you. Not only is he to be different in his stand and in the way he walks with sinners, he's not to sit in the seat of the scornful. I tell you, dear friends, you know very well that the world outside this building this morning, they laugh and mock at the very things that we cherish. They belittle and make fun of the things that we delight in. In the Word of God, they laugh at the scorn, they mock and they belittle and they laugh. But we're not to keep company with men and women like that. I heard the story of a man in America who caught and found a little eagle uh, chick and he brought it home. It was on its own in the ground. And he brought it home and he put it into the chicken pen. And the eagle, it began to grow and he fed it with the corn. And it began to scratch like a chicken. It began to strut about the, the pen like a chicken. It started to squawk like a chicken. It started to imitate the chicken. One day another farmer came by and he looked in and seen the eagle. And he said to the farmer, what's that eagle doing in there? And he told him the story. He says that eagle was never meant to be in there. It's meant to be soaring and high. It's meant to be carried on the, wing, on the wind. It's meant to be on a higher plane. And he went in and he lifted that little eagle out and he took it outside and, and it spread its wings and flew up into the air. I tell you, dear friends, whenever the child of God begins to scratch like the world and to strut like the world and to squawk like the world. We've lost the mark of godliness. A godly man will be a different man. He'll be marked by separation. Not only will he be marked by separation, he'll be marked by something else. He'll be marked by a man or woman of meditation. You take a look there at verse 2. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's three negatives, and now we're coming into the positive. And you know, dear child of God, this morning the Christian life is not all about not doing there's some lovely things that we do. And here this man, it says that his, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That word to delight there is the word to relish. It's the word to treasure. It's the word to long after. This man had a hunger for the Word of God. This man didn't read the book because it was something he had to do. This man didn't read the book out of superstition or he said, I have to read it today or something bad will happen. This man read the book because he wanted the Word of God. He fed his soul upon the book. I would go as far as saying this man was addicted to the Word of God. Night and day, every moment that he had, he was back to the book. Every free moment that he had, he went back into the study and opened the book. Every moment that he had away from the business, he got in and opened the book. A hunger for the Word. He wanted to get alone with the, the Word of God. 
It's my delight. I relish it. I long for it. I just want to get alone with the Lord in the book. Tell me that the early Quakers were called people of the book. People of the book. Men that wanted the word. Men that were feeding upon the manna. Men that were opening the book in the morning and the evening and at night. They couldn't get enough of the book. The word of God saturated this man's soul. You know, it wouldn't have been his delight, dear friends, if he was walking in the counsel of the ungodly. It wouldn't have been his delight if he was standing in the way of sinners. And it wouldn't have been his delight if he was sitting in the seat of the scornful. This man had an unquenchable hunger for the word of God. Every morning that he woke, it went to the word. Every time he woke and wakened in the middle of the night, his mind went to the book. The word of God. You remember the children of Israel in Nehemiah's day. Nehemiah 8 and verse 1. It says that the children of Israel stood in the streets and they spake unto Ezra the scribe. And this is what they said. Bring the book. Bring the book. Bring the book. They wanted the word of God. They had a hunger to hear from heaven. They wanted to hear the voice of the master. The book. I tell you, dear friends, they have taken the book out of our hospitals and the hotels and all the rest of it. But let me ask you a wee question. Is the book in your home? The open book? Feeding on the Word of God. You remember Peter said this, as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word. That word desire there is to crave. That word desire there is to long after every moment of the day. A hunger for the book. A hunger for the Word. A hunger to get alone with the book. Night and day. I tell you, a man with a book will be the man with the blessing. A man with no book is a man with no blessing. Let me ask you another question this morning. How long is it since you've relished the Word of God? How long is it since you've got home from work and you said, oh, I'll have another half hour, have a half hour in our free time, I'll get alone with the Word? Or maybe you rise early on a Saturday morning, nothing to do, and you get alone with the book. Open the Word of God, day and night, hungering, thirsting after the Word, feeding your soul. He'll be a happy man. A happy man with the book. You know, the Word of God's not only described in, as milk, but it's described as meat. Meat. Where men get alone with the book. And I've been praying for myself and for you, everyone here, that we would be men and women consumed with the book. 
consumed with the word. And not only is it described as milk and meat, but it's described as a mighty weapon. It's a sword. It's a two-edged sword. You'll remember the Lord in the temptation with one book out of the Scriptures, Deuteronomy. He used two chapters and he defeated the devil. He drove him back. Oh, child of God, let me say this to you this morning. Don't depend on me or Bertie or Robert to feed you during the week. Get alone with the book. Get alone with the book. Get alone tomorrow. Go home from this meeting and get down on your knees and say, Lord, I want a hunger. I want a carnivorous appetite for the book. I want to crave. I want to long for the word. I want the milk and I want the meat. And I want the mighty weapon. You know what it says about David's men, that they were men who he trained their hands to war and their fingers to fight. Men that could flick the book. You remember the words that came from Paul to young Timothy. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know that word study there? It's the word to make an effort. To make an effort. And you know, dear child of God, this morning, whenever we get to the book, we have to make an effort. We have to make an effort. Whenever I was at school, I was five years behind in my reading. I couldn't have held a pencil for more than ten minutes. I wouldn't have been able to sit on a good day in the house. I wanted to be out and about. But I can honestly say, since the day I got saved, and back since 2010, thank God he's given me a small desire for the book. A desire to open the Word. To study. That word there, as we've said, is to make an effort. Make an effort. Wonders, there a man in this meeting this morning, the Lord's telling you, you'll need to start to make an effort. You'll need to do more than just read. You'll need to make an effort. You'll need to start to dig. You'll need to start to spend time alone and open the book. You know what it says about the Bereans in Acts 17? It says they were more noble because they searched the Scriptures daily. Every day, they opened the book. Not only did he read the book, but it says here that he meditated upon it. And you've all heard a little bit about yoga. I hope you don't do it. But yoga, they tell you to empty your mind. You sit with your legs crossed and you put your hands in the air and you empty your mind of every thought and meditate. But you see, whenever you come to the Word of God to meditate, you know what you do? You don't empty your mind. You fill it. You fill your mind with the Word of God to meditate. To meditate upon the book. Spurgeon said he was like a cow who gathered his food and then he went under a green tree and chewed his cud. He was a man that took a verse with him every day. And he thought over and over and over again, what's the Lord saying to me today? What's he saying to me through this passage of Scripture? What's he going to feed me on today? And he meditated. It means to revolve like a bit of dough. Revolve over and over and over and over again. To turn over in your mind. To meditate. To meditate upon the book. 
Here was a man soaked in the Scriptures. You'll remember whenever Moses died, the Lord appeared to Joshua, and he said, This book of the law shalt thou meditate upon day and night. Day and night. He says, I want you to get into the book. I want you to know what it means. I want you to learn the truth of this book. I want to I want you to know the doctrine in this book. I was in a meeting one time, and there was a man being a bit cheeky with me. And I said to him, I says, tell me this. What any verses in the Bible to say that the Lord Jesus was God? You know what he said to me? He said, hold on, I'll Google it. A man about 50 years of age. He didn't know the book. Didn't know the book. I tell you, dear friends, we need to be men of the book. We need to know what this book teaches. We need to know what this book says. We need to know what this book tells us to believe. Men of the book. It says that he meditated upon it day and night. Samus said this in Psalm 119, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, they are sweeter than honey. I tell you, dear friends, I would go as far as saying this this morning, and I include myself in this, there's so many of us removed from that. There's so many of us removed. To feed upon the sweet, the sweet word, where it's just like honey to our taste. says again, Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy word, and I will meditate upon it day and night. I love it. I love the Word of God. I love just getting alone, me and the Lord, and just opening the book. A man with a book be the man with the blessing. Not only is he marked by separation and meditation, there's something else this man is marked by, and I say this in closing. He's marked by preservation. Cast your eye on down there to verse 3. And it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You'll know that a tree speaks of strength. You'll know that a tree has the roots down deep. You know that the tree is able to stand the wind and the gales of affliction. You know whenever the breeze and the storm comes, the tree will stand. You know what the Word of God's saying? The man that's in the book will be able to stand. The man that's feeding his soul upon the manna. The man that delves into the pages of this book and spends times in the book. Whenever the trials come, he'll still stand. Whenever the difficulties come, he'll still stand. Whenever the afflictions come, he'll still stand. He'll be a tree. He'll be well grounded. He'll be able to stand in the day of affliction. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Take a look at verse 4 and you'll see the difference between the godly and the ungodly. It says in verse 4, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which is driven away. Verse 6. And you get it in verse 5 where the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment. The ungodly are just like the chaff. They're tossed to and fro. They have no standing. 
But the man that's in the book will be able to stand. He'll be able to stand in the time of difficulty and trial and affliction. He's like the tree well grounded. Not only does a tree speak of strength, it speaks of growth. The man that's in this book will grow. The man that's in this word every day and feeds his soul upon it and has a hunger for it and is longing after day and night, the Lord says he'll grow. He'll grow. Now, doesn't that convict us all a little bit this morning? Doesn't that all bring us under a little bit of conviction as we look over the years that we've been saved and see how little growth, see how little progress, And whenever we look at China and places where they don't even have a full Bible, where they maybe only have a chapter between a couple of hundred, they're growing. They're growing. They're growing like a tree. And we have 10, 15 Bibles in our home. And we're so spiritually small. Ah, he says he'll be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. Here's a man that will be well supplied. He's just not beside one river. He's beside rivers. That word river there is the word canals. I want you to see the man. He gets a tree. He's a gardener. And he lifts a tree out of a dry, barren place. And he plants it just where four, four little rivers meet. Hedged in on every side. Here's a tree that's going to be well supplied. It's going to be well nourished. It's going to grow. It's going to su- succeed. It's going to do well. It doesn't matter the environment that you put it in. It'll not matter what climate it is. Whether the land is barren or dry or there's a dearth in the land, this tree's going to grow. I tell you, dear friends, we live in a world of sin and iniquity. We live in a world of iniquity on every side, but the man that's in the book, he'll still grow. He'll be sustained and supplied every day. He'll be fed on the, on the Word of God. He's planted by the rivers of water. I tell you, dear child of God, this morning, every day that you get into the book, this, word, this book always has a word for every situation. Whatever trial or whatever situation you're in today, this book is, this book is the answer. The river. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll not only be supplied, but he'll be satisfied. He says there's enough for you here. You can come and stay as long as you want. The more you drink, the more you'll get. I tell you, dear child of God, this morning in this meeting, the longer you stay with, on, on your knees with the book, the more you'll get. You can have as much as you want. I'll give you as much manna as you want, as long as you want. I'll feed you all day if you want. Rivers. Rivers of water. Spurgeon talked a little bit about the river of grace. He said about the rivers of mercy, the rivers of peace, and the river of pardon. Rivers. He says, if you're a man or woman that's in the book, he says, no matter the climate, no matter the environment, no matter your surroundings, 
He says, not only will you survive, you'll be satisfied. Now, doesn't that all convict us again? Doesn't that all bring us under a little bit of conviction? Whenever so few of us are satisfied, all goes back to the book. Not only is a tree planted by the rivers of water, it says on verse 3, cast your eye down it quickly, it says he bringeth forth his fruit in season. See, the man or woman that's in the book, the man or woman that longs after this book, that's different from the world, he says he's going to be a fruitful person. He bringeth forth his fruit in season. And what that really means is whenever fruit's expected, fruit will be there. Now, doesn't that all bring us under a little bit of conviction again? Whenever there's believers saved 20, 30, 40 years, so little fruit. It's not the preaching. And it's not the teaching. It's the lack of the word. You can't blame the pastor for everything you know. No fruit. You remember the tree that the Lord cursed there in Mark 11 was the fig tree. It had plenty of foliage, but no fruit. Leaves, but no fruit. Fruit, <clears throat> fruit speaks to me about something to give. Having something to give. I tell you, dear friends, this morning again, you see the man or woman, boy or girl that's in the book, they'll have something to give. They'll always have something to share. He bringeth forth his fruit in season. This is what it says about Joseph. It says that Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a bough by a well whose branches lean over the wall. He gives fruit to others, always giving out. Then he goes on very quickly, and not only shall he bring forth his fruit in season, it says his leaf shall not wither. Here's a believer, he'll have a, he'll have a shine about him. There'll be a beauty about this man or this woman. He'll stand out. Whenever the other trees start to die, and whenever the other trees start to fade, here's a tree, it's an evergreen. All year it's green, it's blossoming, it's fresh. There's something fresh about this tree. Because he's been in the word. That word weather there is the word to fail and to fall and to faint. I tell you, dear friend, this morning, the man or woman that's in the word, the Lord is able to keep them from falling and from fainting and from fading. He'll have a shine. There'll be a beauty. He'll not even need to say a thing to you. But as he walks by, you'll say, there's a man and he knows the book. A man of the book. And he goes on very quickly and he says, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here's a man that will have an abundant blessing. Everything he puts his hand to spiritually will be blessed. Because he's spending time alone with me every day in the book. You take a wee look there at the end of verse 6. It says about the ungodly, it says they shall perish. You see the contrast? 
The godly shall prosper, but the ungodly shall perish. Man with the book. And finally, and very quickly, not only is he a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 6, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. The Lord says about this man or woman in the book, not only will he be sustained, not only will he grow, not only will he be satisfied, not only will he shine, not only will he be fruitful, the Lord says, I'm going to lead this man. I'm going to direct him. I'm going to guide him every step of the way. I know the way that he takes. A man with a book is a man with a blessing. The godly man or woman marked by separation, marked by meditation, and then he's marked by preservation. Now let me ask you one wee question. We're not going to sing a hymn. My voice is ready to give up. How many in this meeting this morning would long to be godly? How many would say, Lord, I want to be a different man? I want to walk different in the world. I don't want to stand in their company. I don't want to use their language. I want to be different. Lord, I want to be a man of the book. I want to know what this word says. I want to have a hunger for this book day and night. I want to read it like never before. I want to meditate upon it. I want to crave and I want to long after it. Lord, I want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. No matter the environment, no matter the sin that's around me, I want to be well supplied. I want to stand out. I don't want to fade. I don't want to wither. I want there to be a beauty about my life. Whatever I do, I want to prosper. Lord, I want to be godly. Lord, make me godly. Make me a man of God. Make me a woman of God. Wonders that your prayer this morning. I tell you, dear friend of God, that's my prayer. The Lord would make us godly. Men and women, let us pray. Father, we just bow again in thy presence. And Father, we just thank thee for thy word. And Lord, the desire of all of our hearts this morning, we're sure, is Lord, that you would make us men and women of the book. Give us a hunger, Lord, for this sacred word of God. We would long after it, Lord. We have a hunger for it day and night. And Father, the cry of our heart would be over this little assembly that you would raise us up as a band of men and women who are godly, men that are separate, Men, Lord, that are distinguished from the world. Men and women, Lord, O oh God, that meditate upon the book. And men and women that will be preserved no matter the circumstance, trial or affliction. And so, Father, we just pray as those that will go, pray your blessing will be upon them. And those of us that gather around the word of God again to remember thy son at the table, we pray that our meditation upon him will be sweet. We ask it in the Savior's precious name. Amen. Thank you.